This episode is brought to you by Libro FM, the first and only company that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Ours is the Reading Rock Books in Dixon, Tennessee. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports the community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dogs, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, booksellers. The Good Old Days has a special offer for you. Get two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code OLDDAYS, all one word, O-L-D-D-A-Y-S, Old Days. The offer is only valid for new members in Canada and the U.S. Now on to our show. And we are live. This is The Good Old Days, a podcast at the corner of history and true crime. I'm Maggie Coomer. And I'm Jasmine Brand. And welcome back. It's Saturday once again, and you know what that means. Saturday short stack. Indeed. And you are at the helm this week, Ms. Jasmine. So tell me about what what are you talking about? I am going to talk about the burning of the Capitol building in 1814. Not in 2021, of course. Not in 2021. We had a little bit of a mishap. <laughs> she messaged me last night. and was like, hey, do you care if I talk about the burning of the Capitol building? And I was like, um, because in my mind, that was going to play out like, on January 6th, 2021, a, a band of roving rebels led by President Trump took over the Capitol building. But no, that's not what we're going to do. Rebels make them sound too cool. It does make them sound too cool. So well, I'll let you I'll let you <laughs> tell me what you want to tell me. Now, this, of course, was inspired by those events, particularly a quote from the senator of New Jersey, Cory Booker, or a senator from New Jersey, I should say, Cory Booker. And he said, um, I think like the very next day, it might have even been the same day, what what he said was, quote, I can only think of two times in American history that individuals laid siege to our capital, stormed our sacred civic spaces, and tried to overrun this government. One was the War of 1812, and another one was today. So obviously that was January 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like got me thinking because as a historian, like I process things by thinking about how they've played out like in past situations, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I decided to look at that instead of looking at all of the news. <laughs> um, so it seems I, like a healthier approach, honestly. Yeah. So I wrote this, I think, like January 7th or 8th. So I've been sitting on it for a few weeks. And awesome. I'm excited to hear the story. Yeah, I just thought I would share that with you. Now, the War of 1812, like as a whole, obviously is a whole thing that I'm not going to get into in a great lot of detail just because there's a lot. I mean, do you know a lot about the War of 1812? So basically, it was spurred on by a trade situation. Great Britain was trying to strangle trade with France, right? And as a byproduct, it was really hurting the new, uh, the, you know, infantile United States. And so ultimately, this was the first war that the United States declared on another country. 
And so they went to war with Great Britain Mm -hmm. over trade. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And it's weird. I mean, I flipped schools a lot um, growing up and those were between the UK and the US. And I don't ever remember learning about this. It was like kind of exempt from... My curriculum. I don't know if that's the case. And like, no, I'm <laughs> I'm there with you. I I didn't know the War of 1812 is so underrepresented in history classes, and it's really an interesting war. And I'm surprised, you know, especially because I mean the U.S. comes out on top, right? So well, yeah, so well, it was interesting. I was watching a documentary <laughs> about this, and there was a British historian. He's like. Yeah, I mean, we don't really consider it a war. Like, it's like a footnote, uh-huh. <laughs> like trying to brush it off, basically. Yeah. Um, but then I watched from the point of view of a American historian, and they're like, well, this was really the second war of independence. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is interesting that we don't really talk about it. Um, and I wonder if part of that is because it showed like a weakened capital, mm. um, which is, of course, the event that I'm going to... I'm going to talk about even though the UK like doesn't gain any meaningful ground they don't take back control of mm-hmm. the Americas in any sort of sense but yeah that's kind of my theory is maybe because it shows this like weakened capital and that the United States was vulnerable for a whole day mm-hmm. um, oh god Have <laughs> that maybe that's why we like don't incorporate it I, I don't know I that's my theory I have no idea why we don't really talk about it but yeah by most accounts even by on both sides this war helped like drive the United States together more so than they already had been because mm-hmm. of course the different I guess I guess what we call them states at this point mm-hmm. yeah we've yeah, called articles them confederation happened in the 1780s mm-hmm. uh, and then the the constitution. Yeah, we would call them states. Absolutely. For some reason, and I don't know which article this is, so I can't call it out properly. One of the articles I was reading kept referring to them as colonies. And I'm like, 1812? I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're states. states. Probably an English article. Um, (laughs) Probably. But anyway, so the states at this point, you know, obviously still had a lot of differences in how to run government and the whole issue of centralized government in the first place. So this is credited with kind of like driving together the idea of federal government and what that's going to look like going forward. Now, skipping forward past a whole lot of what's happening in the War of 1812, I'm going to go to August 24th of 1814. Okay. And this is a pretty busy day. First of all, we're not we're not at the Capitol. We are a little bit north of D.C. or what would be D.C. at Bladensburg. So, so Bladensburg, Virginia? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So we are there. And there's something that happens on August 24th known as the Battle of Bladensburg which essentially is where British and American troops converged into this big bloody battle. And the British are outnumbered five to one, but they have brought their A game. It's Royal Marines, the Army, and the American troops are mostly untrained militia members that have no organization. The Brits, I mean, they lay waste to the American troops. They also had these kind of like crudely made rockets that when they exploded, I mean, they they caused they caused a bad scene. So they're using those. It's scaring the American troops um, and it becomes a very effective method for them to push the troops back and help them win this particular battle. When all is said and done, there are 64 British dead, 185 wounded and 26 Americans dead, 51 wounded and 120 are taken prisoner. Okay. So not not a good not a good day. Not a great day. Not a good day. Yeah. 
Now, the British are feeling pretty successful after this battle. They they have taken it as they've won, even though more of them died in battle than the Americans. And they decide to continue to march forward. So they march a few miles south, I think it's seven to nine miles south to Washington, which is, of course, now DC. And well, it's chosen, of course, because of its political significance. And the first stop that they want to go to is, well, the Capitol building. It's this big symbol of American democracy and everything that they basically had built since they won the War of Independence. So James Madison, fourth president, he and his entire government, of course, are situated in in Washington. There's also, of course, people living in this city as there are today. And they have to try and flee the capital after getting word that the British are coming, basically. So yeah. <laughs> that same same old tune that we've heard. Paul Revere. Yes, the British are coming. In an interesting kind of twist, um, his wife, Dolly Madison, is actually one of the people who keeps track of this. She goes onto the roof of the then president's mansion it's not the white house yet and she uses her spyglass to kind of watch them and track them <laughs> as so her little coming. telescope yeah 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 right. uh so i thought that was really interesting right a really long one like like think of pirates of the caribbean mm-hmm. where johnny depp's character pulls out yeah that huge long one anyway well and that's kind of what i mean because think of it dolly madison so she is the first lady she would have been in all of her like dresses from the 1800s early 1800s she's getting up on the house white house roof or what would become the White House roof Mm -hmm. and looking through her telescope. So while Dolly Madison is on the roof checking everything out, she's having her enslaved people fix them dinner and simultaneously pack up any valuables from the president's mansion to be put on wagons so they can take it with them, essentially. And the main buildings, for anyone that's trying to picture what's going on, because, of course, Washington is still being built up at this point. It's it's the capital, but it's not... They haven't quite established if that's going to be the final, like, resting place of the United States Capitol or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And at this point in time, it's made up of the President's Mansion, the Treasury Building, the Patent Office, and this Capitol building that's kind of in progress. So these are all of the different buildings that are there that are going to be kind of infiltrated. And before um, Dolly agrees to leave the mansion right before the British get there, she has managed to pack up that famous portrait of George Washington that we see in the White House today, a copy of the Declaration of Independence and several other pieces. Solid grab, right? by the way. Let me just grab the uh, Declaration of Independence. Nick Cage is going to want to steal this in about, a, you know, 130 <laughs> years or whatever. Which we now know <laughs> would not be years. as difficult. I'm not as impressed anymore (laughs) not as Um, impressed (laughs) um so these are the things she saves they pack up into a wagon and they hightail it out of there she really takes a lot of convincing from james madison to go um because (laughs) she is quoted saying that if she knew how she would stick a cannon out of every window and fight to the bitter end shit so she was a fighter i like her i do too i'm a big fan um i'm partial to the name dolly A.K.A. Parton. What up, girl? All right. So, I mean, maybe in another life. Who knows? Dude, I might name my my daughter Dolly. Why not? Because there's so many good ones. There are. There are. So this was this was Dolly Madison. Fantastic first lady. At least in this instance, I didn't I didn't search, of course, much about her past this. But in this instance, awesome. Yeah. And so they flee. Everyone who can get out has left. So all of these buildings are left empty. Right for the picking, basically. Mm-hmm. The Capitol building, like I said, is going to be the prime target 
for the British. And several of the British as they're entering the city like com are noted to comment on how this is the only building worth noticing and how it's so grand and who did these Americans think they were, you know, all of the sure. all of the shit talking. Right. And so that's going to be their first primary target. And they get to the Capitol building around 9 p.m. in the evening. The soldiers force their way up the steps, force their way into the building. And after breaching all parts of this building, including the Senate floor and the office of the president, they loot it. They take anything that they can out, um, things like stanchions and... um, which I don't know why they were moving those. But anyway, they start moving all the furniture. They pile anything up that's not worth anything in the middle of each room. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's just these giant mounds of furniture and they take anything that they deem to be worth anything, including a whole bunch of books from the Library of Congress when it was a physical library. They took valuables, top secret documents, and a ledger of expenses from the president's office, which uh, remained in British custody until the 1940s, interestingly. Mm -hmm. The admiral who was in charge, he wrote like a little note in it too. And today it is back with the United States government. um, And that note is still in there of the time and the place where he took this ledger from. Mm -hmm. Weird. Once they've got everything valuable out of it and want to move on to the next building, they set fire to the building. And they do this by taking gunpowder paste and wiping it on all of the intricate woodwork all what? around. Yeah. That's, all around the That's so ingenious. It's the British. <laughs> <laughs> They're used to this. This is what they do. <laughs> this is what they do. <laughs> Destroying shit is what we do. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then taking back things as gifts to the king or queen. Of course. Like this is this is sure. standard procedure. Right. So they take the gunpowder paste, they wipe it on the woodwork, wipe it on all of the wooden furniture and light it on fire. And in fact, in the um, house chamber, which was located on a second or third floor at this point, I don't know exactly where it is today. But anyway, it was located up some stairs and it had it was basically under under the roof. So there was no floor above it, but they set off one of those rockets thinking that it would light the place on fire doesn't work that way um but it of course aids in the blaze and you can imagine it you know sounds like fireworks going off that just adds more fuel to the fire and the heat becomes so intense that the glass panels that they had in the ceiling of the house chamber melted oh so it was pretty bad whoa that's hot very hot wow so it was it was like 75,000 Kelvins. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what that is. (laughs) You know, someone's going to be like, now. (laughs) I wish. Teach me. Yeah. Yeah. If if you know how much 75,000 Kelvins is, tell us. Or just the temperature that would have melted 1800s glass. Um, It's probably like. The flame of a candle. (laughs) Yeah, it's like nothing. It's like we're sitting in that right now. Anyway, uh, so the heat becomes really intense. And in this fire, of course, everything burns up, including, tragically, the entire collection of the Library of Congress. Well, the books that they didn't take anyway. The entire Library of Congress melts down. And this includes melts down. I mean, literally melts down, but burns down. Um, And that includes numerous secret secret journals and papers hold up you know what i just envisioned what? that scene in aladdin where he's in the cave of wonders and it's oh. as 
everything's melting. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. He's trying to get out on the car- on the magic carpet before the the cave. I, I just that's what this it- is every historian's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> All the books, the gold, everything just melts and becomes yeah. lava. That's exactly what's happening. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> um, so among other things, the most tragic things lost were secret journals and papers that will just never get back mm-hmm. or be able to rectify what was in them. Yeah. I Do we have an, so we have no just like things that have gone into thin air like yeah. a fart in the wind. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> So all of early America's secrets burned up. That was a direct li- I lifted that joke from The Shawshank Redemption. Oh. Sorry, please continue. So as the Library of Congress was burning down, uh, an estimated 3,000 volumes are lost, which is... Oh, my God. Tragic. Yeah. And uh, Tom... heart hurt. It, oof. It's, it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Thomas Jefferson, this is when he makes his donation. Mm-hmm. So after everything kind of gets back to normal... The dust um, settles. The dust settles. He'll actually donate his private collection to restock the new library. Now, as the blaze continued, and I don't know what they put in their gunpowder to make it burn so hot. But the Senate chambers at the time had marble columns and it burned so furiously, the marble actually crumbled oh my in God. the Senate chambers. Wow. So it was it was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. Um, many in the hallways and lobbies were relatively unscathed because they did this deliberately so they would have exit routes. Mm -hmm. So you had like the Library of Congress and the House and the Senate burning down, but like the main atrium and all of those places were salvaged Mm -hmm. after the fact. They didn't burn down completely. And part of the reason it didn't burn down completely was because four days later, it started to rain excessively and it actually put the fires out. So the fires burned for four days. Oh, my gosh. Four days, uh, which was excessive. And it wasn't just the Capitol. Once they finish there, they go on to the president's house, later the White House. And this is actually the point where it gets turned into the White House Mm -hmm. to try and cover up some of the scorch marks and everything in the rebuilding process. And they made plans to burn the war and treasury department the following morning which they they do Mm -hmm. Uh, the only reason that they aren't able to burn the whole city to the ground is again that rain comes in and they move on the damage was so extensive that it would take five years to repair the damage to the capital holy shit which is crazy Mm -hmm. so when madison does return to the city which is which is sometime later Uh, They go into the patent building. That's where they'll set up government out of until five years later when the capital is done. He'll condemn the British for breaking the rules of, quote unquote, civilized warfare. Like there is such a thing. And while this is going on, the government itself is debating, well, do we move the capital to a more secure location? Are we safe here anymore if the British can infiltrate us? So ultimately, they decide that this rebuild will be a signal to any powers, foreign and domestic, that the United States cannot be intimidated or overshadowed by anyone trying to attack it. Mm-hmm. And the Capitol building is rebuilt with that in mind. And that's the story of the Capitol burning. All right. There we go. Thank you, Jasmine. That was a great story. All right, folks, if you enjoyed this episode, we want you to head to your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a review. Jasmine, what about social stuff? So socials, you can find us on Twitter at the Good OD Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at the Good Old Days Pod. All right, folks, we hope you enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.